Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 413 Podcast. I'm here joined by the PCB boys. Hello, everyone. Yo. Hello. 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 Not quite a milestone today, but we are on episode number 17. Um, not bad. Send it out to Winger. <laughs> that Winger? Yeah, that's Winger. Um, we started this podcast, I think, because we were doing a, a series of Zooms uh, during the pandemic, trying to just make sure we stayed in touch and, and kept communication. And I think the podcast came from the idea that we thought we were interesting. Um, feel free to disagree. Um, there's certain, <laughs> certain times we probably are more so than others, but... Um, yeah, I just uh, want to just do a quick shout out that we're on episode number 17 and uh, we have a lot more ideas to come at you. Um, our last week's episode was um, Poe or Emo. Hopefully you were able to listen to that episode, download the playlist and you enjoyed. We're going to keep bringing you some games. But tonight we are doing another countdown, another list, so to speak. And we are trying to recreate... Um, sort of from episode number two, which was our favorite films of the decades. We chose the decades of the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s to choose our favorite movies. Now, of course, I think one thing to emphasize when it comes to movies or music is that our our tastes are going to change probably maybe day to day, week to week, month to month. There's different things that you might be vibing on. Um, so today we are doing our favorite albums of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Um, we are not being very genre-specific, um, but I think uh, we all probably picked quite a bit of uh, punk or pop-punk because that seems to be the music we like the most. Um, but we're going to go re reverse alphabetically um, to go through our our picks, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, start with the 1970s, and we're going to start off with Jared. What you got for the seventies? Uh, I'm actually gonna go paranoid. Black Sabbath. Nice, nice. That's a solid <laughs> album. Uh, when did that come out? I think that was actually seventy. Mm. So it was like early. Early. Um. I'm not somewhere wrong. I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> so many good songs yep. on them. Yeah, 1970. That's uh, I I for some reason I always think that it was like it was early 70s, but not 1970. So that's um quite an album to come out in 1970. That's like uh kind of different than a lot of other mu music that you would think of. If you play that album today, I don't know many people would say that came out in 1970. For sure. I know. I always think I Black Sabbath came out in the 80s, and I always forget that they started in the 70s. I never thought. For some reason, I think I always think of them in, in the 80s with those hair bands. I don't know why. I always just picture them coming out like with Poison and Twisted Sister and stuff. No idea why. Maybe it's because I've heard all those like with the Beal at the same time. Mm. But okay. for some reason in my head, I always clump Black Sabbath in with Poison and Twisted Sister, and they're nothing alike. That's so weird because you're the most metal kid I know, and because yep. uh, <laughs> I listen to Metallica. <laughs> exactly. So this was a solid album. Um, I think the opening track alone, being an eight-minute opening track, um, "War Pigs," 
I absolutely love that song. And I have uh, ADD like you read about. So for it's a <laughs> captain for eight minutes, that's a, that's a feat right there. Yeah. I think it shows well, off the talent of the band, both instrumentally and vocally with um, mm, just like the, uh, the quality of the playing on that. Cause that's just like, you got great bass, uh, bass runs. You've got great little guitar licks. You've got good drumming, and then the vocals just kind of uh, leading the charge in the intro on that song. Man, that is solid. Yeah, that That's one's cool. a whole experience for sure. Well, Eric, you got a couple more tracks on that album. So it's followed up with, I think, which was probably what was considered the single um, "Paranoid." Mm-hmm. Iron Man's on this too, yeah, though. Iron right? Man uh, finishes off side one, so it's War Pigs, Paranoid, uh, Planet Caravan, and then um, Iron Man rounds out uh, side one. Um, wow. And then as you flip, we have another uh, seven-minute track in Hand of Doom. Um, we've got Rat Salad, the instrumental. Um, there's quite a few. It's a forty-one-minute runtime on eight songs. Um, wow. Ooh. But, yeah. Yeah. I like but, the long ones. It holds it holds interest though. That was a I I remember as a kid, that was one of my favorite albums and I listened to that religiously. I think I had a cassette that literally broke in a tape deck because I listened to it so much. Yeah, I um my Or away my, all the tape. Yeah, my, my uncle Danny um used to take my cousins and I to the lake, um, whether it be Anoda or Pontusic and uh he had this big station wagon that the back um, the if you sat in the back, the the seats faced towards the back of the car. Um, oh, sure remember that. Yep. <laughs> and uh, there was one tape that he always had in the car and always played, and we begged him to play Iron Man all the time. We loved that track um, <laughs> oh, on yeah. there. So I just have these uh, fond memories of probably being I don't know, like maybe nine or ten years old, going to the lake trip and blasting Iron Man and. Uh, being in the back of the the car and feeling very sick in the, back there, but it was fun because <laughs> the window rolled down too, which was kind of crazy. You could roll down that that back window. I'm sure that's that was a, a major back safety in the day, violation yeah. now. Oh, yeah, but no. <laughs> back then, God, remember that? We're supposed to when those wagons either, they but... had that trunk seat. It's like, oh, everyone here, another row, and then, yep, you're in the trunk. Yep. It's like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Buckle up, kid. Parents had one of those. Yeah, it, it was always fun riding there. They were fancy cars back then, the one with that back seat. Yeah. That, like I said, very fun time and a great album to look back on. So, um, very solid choice, Jared. Eric, what's your pick? Um, I'm going a little bit later in the year. This is sort of, um, I think, probably one of the early years for punk rock, but I did not pick a punk rock album. Um, I'm going with 1977's The Stranger by Billy Joel. Nice. Um, I love listening to this album. Um, it's kind of a good, it's like a kind of a, a rotating dinner playlist for me. Um, as I'm cooking and then as I'm eating because um starts out with moving out Anthony's song, which is kind of a, um, it almost sounds Broadway. It's got this uh, kind of interesting vibe to it. It's a lot of piano. It's very like, um, it's almost like an anthem in a way. 
sassy. Um, yeah, and then it goes yeah. into the title track, "The Stranger," which is just such a fucking great song. Um, and then we go into the more the middle of the album is kind of um, more romantic, slower, softer, like "Just the Way You Are." Um, scenes from an Italian restaurant, Vienna. Mm-hmm. Just really great um, ballady type songs, and then boom, only the good die young kicks in, kind of brings you back up. Absolutely, um, ready for dessert. Yeah, and then uh, she's always a woman. A little, uh, almost comes off as like an Irish kind of. Uh, it's got that, yeah. that sound to it. Dun, 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 dun. It just has that kind of vibe to it. So um, it's a really good album. I think. Um, in the whole catalog of Billy Joel, it's probably one of the best rounded, well-rounded albums. Um, Cause it kind of, it goes from a little bit rocky to very kind of soft. And I think it really kind of uh, emphasizes his songwriting abilities. And yeah, I just love it. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's a great dinner album. So if you get a chance to, uh, uh, if you're cooking for yourself or for a significant other and, want to listen to something um as you're uh cooking and then sitting down and eat um i love this one for that i mean it's hard not to pick a billy joel like i was literally like racking my brain and i was like i feel like we're all gonna pick billy joel i'm like so i need to stay away from him or else i will have a list just dominated by billy joel well i mean the dude's put out an album probably every year since then so he could probably be on this list yeah although i know stuff but i don't know that i've ever actually Seeked it out. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love Billy Joel. I hear a ton of it. Not. Yeah. I mean, to me, he kind of falls in. He falls into a similar genre of like Elton John, where I think it's like you've got this piano, um, you know, this piano singer songwriter, and you probably heard all the hits on the radio and you're probably sick of them. But if you kind of deep dive and listen to some of the like the full albums, they're just really good. And what's crazy is that you hear all these songs on the radio and you're like, well, this dude's been around since fucking, you know, 1913. Um, But a lot of these like greatest hit songs are like, they're one album, you know, it's like the stranger. There's probably like five of his greatest hits are on the album of like a, you know, an eight to 10 track um, album, probably five are on his greatest hits. So um, yeah, I have, I have a ton of Billy Joel albums, but this one is, is always a recurring one for me. His albums always flow really well too. Like there's just, it's got a, it's got a story within the album and uh, it, it, they just, it's so diversified the different types of songs that he can do and goes through a different, like a whole gamut of, of different styles. It's like, you're listening to, like three different albums in one because yeah. of, of how he can move around and, and how he's just that talented that he can make masterpieces in different styles of music. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because I think when you go back to some of his albums, um, I'll say for instance, the, the stranger is that if you put that on shuffle or you listen to random tracks on that, if you're on some playlist or something, you would not think that these all these songs fit on the same album, but if you listen to the album front to back, it makes sense. It just works together. It flows nicely. Um, for a dude that had to sit on phone books to reach the piano keys, like I think um, he's uh, he, he's a legend. I, I don't think he gets he gets enough credit for his uh, contribution to music, but um, 
I'll say that Party. dude, uh, yeah, he, he, great singer songwriter and uh, had tons of great albums. So if you're ever at um, his problem is is he's a once in a lifetime talent and he was around with several once in a lifetime talents like Ellen John, <laughs> like you know what I mean, like. Billy Joel is amazing and especially people who listen to him realize it. But like when you look back about like when he came out and some of the artists around that, around that time, like he, he just came out with a lot of really good artists. Like if someone like Billy Joel popped up nowadays, they would be dominating everything. You know, he's just, he's that good. They exist. They're all over the place. Well, what's funny is um, uh, Billy Joel and Elton John did an album together. Um, at Shea Stadium, they did a live album at Shea Stadium together, um, and they do they play some songs together. So if you were a big fan and you can't pick between them, uh, it's it's a good listen. <laughs> Why not both? Exactly. Oh, cool. Well, that's my uh, choice for the Dueling piano. Nice. Time for Billy Boy and uh, 1970s. Uh, boy, oh boy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's going to be something punk rock. I have mm-hmm. a, I have a suspicion, but I will, um, I'll, I'll hold until you give it to us. Can I pause it? It might be. Uh, I kind of want to do a, 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 a guess. 24. I do. Oh, 20, I got, 24 oh, hours ago. Oh, yes. And you go first. Okay, I, I I think it could be between two, but I'm gonna pick one. I think it's the Sex Pistols. Never mind the Bullock. Okay, Jared, pick. Bones. Okay, Eric, pick. Mine was also Never mind the Bullocks. <laughs> okay, then I'll pick the Clash. Um, London's Calling. Oh. I'll pick that one because that was one I thought it might have been too. Andy's right. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I was like, it's going to be one of these two. I was like, it's got to be one of these. They're both bang around. Absolutely. And, and well, it, it was going to be two different Clash albums that I was um, debating about. It was either going to be uh, the self-titled 1977 or 1979's London's Calling. And actually, Eric swayed me with his Billy Joel pick uh, with A Stranger because London Calling is so diversified in that album that you got your typical punk songs. You got your mainstay uh, rock and roll songs. You have uh, ska music. You have ballads. You have the, the whole game on there. I just want to um, put out a couple of my favorites here. Spanish bombs is one of the, probably a top 10 song all time for me. I'll, wow. I'll put that up. I can listen to that all the time. Guns of Brixton is like the punk rock song from the 70s for me. Uh, Wrong and Boyo. The card sheet is like, with the piano there. And like, I get all like teared up with it. It's such a great track. Of course, Train in Vain, you know, that's a, a huge radio uh, song. Death or Glory. Uh, Coca-Cola. There's just so many bangers. Uh, record. I absolutely love it. London Calling Itself is an amazing, amazing song on that That's album. The, it's it's an opening track, album. Right? Yes, it is. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's 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 a perfect opening track for that goddamn album. But to go from London Calling the song to Jimmy Jazz, 
just the different styles that you're hearing. And after they released an album like the self-titled that, you know, picked up a lot of traction and, you know, this, this new style of punk that was, you know, like really fast and abrasive and they switch it up like, like that and have such a diverse Rudy can't fail, like a sky classic, like Rudy can't fail all of this on one record. I, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Grant and the picture is a fluke too. Absolutely, because the person who took it just happened to just pull out their camera and snap something real quick as he's smashing his guitar. It's, it's, it's iconic perfect. after the Elvis Presley album. Mm. <laughs> I guess I, uh, <laughs> I saw the actual um, bass smashed. Uh, and Cleveland at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is probably my favorite part about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? I know. I'm a little- I just like how he's having a bad night, and that's why he smashed his guitar in the story. Is that he was playing badly, he was really pissed off, and he just smashed his guitar. It wasn't like to just be cool. It was just really out of frustration, and that makes me laugh every time I see that album. I'm so glad that you guessed it. I will- I'm not going to try and guess the album that you picked, but I would definitely <laughs> want to hear. Well, I, well, those were my top two myself. And then I picked, I went way out of left field for myself because I was like, I bet Bill's going to pick one of these. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can see it. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to get stuck. And I mean, I had a couple that I was going between anyways. So what you got? All right. I, I went way out of left field. No one's going to guess this one. John Denver Poems, prayers, and promises. Nice. Whoa! Church musicy one. Like seventy one. Church yep. bells. I mean, sunshine on my shoulders is an amazing song. Country road, which became, I feel like, his most popular song. Absolutely, and well deserved because that song is amazing. Heard that oh, it's so an good. awful lot. It's That's so a good. Kid. Yeah, exactly. My mom was a Denver fan. I mean, you couldn't turn around when he was alive, not see John Denver and listen to him. And he's just so damn good as a folk singer. It's just something about John Denver. When I hear it on the radio, I got to crank it. I mean, if there's there's a biddy looking at me at the window, I'm going to roll him down. I'm like, yep, John Denver. Did he write Fire and Rain on the album? Because I know that James Taylor popularized that, but John Denver wrote that, right? I think that was the case, isn't it? But I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he wrote it and then it got famous otherwise. Because, I mean, well, he was just a, a freaking immense talent. I mean, the amount of albums that he was able to put out, too, as a folk singer, he's got to be the top folk singer of all time. No, so that is a James Taylor song, and uh, and it was covered. It came oh, okay. out on uh, Sweet Baby James in 1970. I guess we got to give James Taylor due. Ugh, hate it, <laughs> he lives but... around us. He's been calling us all the time trying to get on this podcast. Now, the other question like, is, James, did John please. Denver write Let It Be? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he? Honestly, Andy, I, I'm glad you picked that because I think it it sort of emphasizes, I think, like what I think a lot of the 1970s albums that I really like are, which is that they're these kind of like folky singer-songwriter, just great sounding albums. And I mean, you can go back and pick a ton of them. Um, you know, again, depends on how, um, you know, what which route you want to take. But um, there are a ton of just great albums, I think, that fall into that category. And John Denver, very similar to Billy Joel, just a great talent in, in his own right and uh, wrote lots of great songs. And just 
to me, this is that's this is that album that I think a bunch of the songs could fall on. Like, um, you know, when you were you would fall asleep with the TV on back in the 1990s, and they'd play an infomercial where it's like, where can you find all the smoothest, greatest folk songs of all time on one easy to find CD? It's like sunshine on my shoulder makes me happy. And you're like, oh, fucking John Denver. He's doing it. Fucking John Denver. Fucking John Denver. All right. Somebody's slicing, he's dicing. He's like, listen, man, these knives are super sharp. Not as sharp as these John Denver CDs <laughs> over here. Get the whole discography <laughs> and this disc cabinet for only 100. Five easy payments of $100. I was like in 1999, but shit, okay. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I was gonna say like uh, it also reminds me a little bit of like uh, uh, Jim Croce or Gordon Lightfoot or some of those other, you know, singer songwriter Harry Chapin. I'm gonna throw an honorable mention on here from 1972, "Harvest" by Neil Young. Fuck yeah, Ooh. that was like another good. That was gonna be my other one if I didn't go with uh, the Clash. I, I was really really torn about that but uh that album is fucking awesome this is a real quick you got um yeah uh old man uh there's a world alabama the needle and the damage done heart of gold like that was a freaking banger of an album i didn't know he released all those tracks in 1972 like that's crazy yeah, I definitely ahead of its time. That is crazy. I think he's a, he's a visionary in, in in some way, and um, although I think if you, you you like you can't compare him to anyone else, I think the songwriting yeah. is so good that you can overlook the fact that not the greatest singer of all time. I uh, see. I think it's an acquired taste, though. Like your his, work was what you got. Yeah, his vocal. I mean, yeah, the range, and you know, he's a little. It's an acquired taste, but it, I definitely acquired that taste. I, I love Neil Young's vocals and just musical acclimate. What was the album that he put out that was kind of like, um, it was almost like doo-wop-y? Um, Ooh. Uh, I got to look it up, but he put out an album that was like, it, it fell into almost like a doo-wop category. Oh, like one of the newer this. ones? He put out something in like 2008 no, no, I would, or something. Was it, or was it like um, way back? I got. I, I gotta hear that. Oh shit, um, Neil Young, right? I'll, I'll look you it know? up after, but um, I won't hold you guys up. So I'll. Um... Yeah, we gotta get. To oh the wait, 80s. he's talking about the Neil Diamond track. Never mind. No, no, Neil Young had <laughs> had a record that um, it. I think it was probably the eighties, and it was. Um, the cover of it looks like an Elvis Costello album or something. And it, it's a little bit like doo kind of like old school rock and roll Chuck Berry kind of style. Um, really? It's an interesting album. I I wouldn't say that it's a good album, but it's an interesting album. <laughs> I have it. Um, oh, here it is. Um, uh, Shocking Pinks. Shocking. Uh, Neil Young and the Shocking Pinks. Oh. Everybody's Rocking is the name of it. And it's like a rockabilly looking kind of a cover. Thing. Yep. You want me to check that out? In the what pinks? Shocking pinks. Okay. Done with that search history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably already in there for Bill. 
It's like shocking. <laughs> you searched this 12 times last week. It was 14. I will give a shout out to um, After the Goal Rush, too. I think is another great Neil Young album from mm. the same decade. Um, not as good as Harvest, but great. It album. was still, yeah, absolutely. In general, I Dude. think, I think again, he's another overlooked. I think there's people that he's, he's got like a strong fan base with some folks, but I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, if you mention Neil Young to the average person, I don't think they're like, wow, he's a great talent. Unfortunately. Yeah. I'm glad Andy threw out uh, John Denver though. He's also, I think Thank really you, Andy, for John Denver. He's overlooked. I mean, I think you know, he, he died real young. And I think like a lot of these older artists, he just get like Billy Joel gets overlooked. I feel like, I feel like he gets overshadowed by, some of the other music that came out back then, but I mean, they're just all amazing artists. Mm. That's that's nice. That's gonna go Boston. Did he die really young? I guess. He died in ninety seven. He died in a plane yeah, crash. He's thirty. Thirty four. Yeah, he's young. Young dude. All the young dudes. Like he wouldn't still have a career now. Definitely not. He looked like a third grade science teacher. Thing. You know he what would. I mean? Like. He- Mr. Denver, uh, I gotta go was, to the bathroom. I'm sure. <laughs> Probably. He was, an, he was an ugly mother. Let's be real. All right. Anyway. Um, all right. So that was not super. That rounds out the 70s. I think um, it kind of shows our eclectic taste. We went from uh, John Denver to The Clash um, to Black Sabbath. <laughs> Black so, Sabbath. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We've got quite a range here. So I'm excited to hear what the round, Billy Joel, what yeah. our, our 80s round uh, uncovers. So uh, we'll go back to Jared and. What do you got for the eighties? Well, I'll take a turn and I'll go more towards uh, the punk side. And I'm going to go walk among us. I'm not sure. (laughs) Misfits album. I was looking at Misfits in here and I'm like, how did I not pick a Misfits album? Great, great. Dude, I will show you that I, I chose this album and then I pivoted later, but this was on my top. Could have been on there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Only bad album they ever put out was Famous Monsters. Well, because they got <laughs> rich. only the, the worst. <laughs> it's yeah, only. <laughs> uh, it's more going, right? They don't get enough. Neither did. I think he is. He's not wearing a shirt and he's, you know, five foot five singing his ass off. Um, I forgot that I he was do on agree. Aqua Team. The, yes. This album is like Fast and Furious and. I don't think there's what more than like two songs that are over two minutes long. Yeah. No, they're all pretty short. It's got skulls. Mm-hmm. The only thing that would have made it any better for me is if it had uh, Where Eagles Dare on it. Mm. Oh my God. Where Eagles Dare is such a good song. I could have mashed that together. Such a good... You're singing to my heart. <laughs> we walk the streets at night. We go where the Eagles Dare. Oh Mother is a good song too, though. Mother, <laughs> we should have an episode where we all just not to walk my way. We all do our best uh, Danzig impression. <laughs> oh. Well, we we'd have to we'd have to live stream it because we'd all be without a shirt. Oh, of course, because he never wears well, a thank shirt. Thank you for not telling everyone in the audience that I'm not wearing a shirt right now. That's true. Yeah, appreciate that. The good part about hey. radio, right? Okay. Listen, I tape my nipples off. Don't worry. Yeah. That is a real puffy shirt, though. <laughs> well, I got puffy nips. What, what can I do? It's coming back, all right? The puffy pirate shirts are coming back. Um, favorite track on that one, Jared? Anything stand out to you? Skulls, I think. For me, that's my favorite. 
there was and you look for it now I can't remember I mean lots of good woe tracks on on here like woe choruses uh I turned into a marsh in the opening track mm. um that's when I would always let it go but I'd still skip back to skulls all the time yeah. I also love Astros <laughs> I think Astro zombies might be my favorite track on there. incredible I remember um I feel like we were way too old but I remember walking around with some of the the uh crew um in probably like 2000 2001 so way too old to trick or treat but we brought around a boombox blaring the misfits and uh did some trick or treating in <laughs> I assume was probably mostly denim and or leather um I guess we were like a, a biker gang or something who knows like a huffy, huffy, huffy bikes only. Uh, <laughs> no, we were we were dressed as the village people. One of us was a fireman, the other was a biker. Someone was a police officer. I think you're thinking of last week. Pretty sure Murph we was the police officer. He wasn't actually dressed up. My brother was the firefighter. <laughs> we all had bushy mustaches. I remember yeah. that. Good times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that great album though. Um, I kind of wish I picked it, but. You got it. I I didn't I didn't put it on my list, but I'm mad about that. But it's an awesome. You are crushing this dress or this these picks right now. Sabbath in the middle. Holy shit! I got it. I know who is first six are going pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. See if Eric uh, keeps the streak going. Oh, I no no problem on this one Um, because I don't think that there's anyone out there that can't agree with us. So. this one was kind of easy for me. Um, again, I did pick Misfits, and then I was like, you know what? There's a lot of music that came out in the 80s, and I want to be a little bit more, I want to be a little more open-minded. So I, I wanted to go back to an album that I listened to over and over and over. This was an album that was a, um, that was a constant rotation for me when I worked at Saucony. So we had mm. a CD player there instead of like, you know, whatever... DMX or whatever other like music systems, Muzak that stores had, we had our own CD player. So I would bring my own greatest hits albums or, or other albums. I really liked that had a good, you know, good sound throughout, had good, good track selection. So it wouldn't get boring to anybody. And um, this one came up all the time and there's some great bangers on there, some great singles, but just in general, it's a great written album um, by one of the uh, greatest, uh, I think, rock and rollers of our time unfortunately um he is now passed um but i'm going with 1989's full moon fever by tom petty yes holy oh the first cassette i ever bought with my own <laughs> was a full moon fever this is an amazing album there's so many good tracks on here um i mean starting out with free falling um, I mean, obviously became popularized probably definitely during the time that it came out, but also in Jerry Maguire. I think uh, Tom, uh, sorry, uh, Tom Cruise singing that in the car um, definitely gave it a little bit of a extra, extra something. Read some something. new life. Um, so we start out with Free Fallen and we end with Zombie Zoo. Zombie Zoo was incredible track. This album kind of goes all over, but it's just a great, um, there's nothing uh, overcomplicated about it. There's no 
it's just a great rock album. Um, I think um, some of the songs that I don't think anyone's probably ever heard that I really um, can appreciate. Um, I like uh, Feel a Whole Lot Better. It's a great track. Um, <laughs> Depending on You, the apartment song. A lot of the songs on side B that I don't think got enough credit but um the other like standout tracks that were singles on this i won't back down um running down a dream i mean these are running just- down a- uh, it was one of videos there's this it, it was like a little cartoon and just incredible the song itself incredible nice nice and chill and won't back down um was uh i forgot the year uh the tcu football team had that as like their their theme song and like yeah and that that's just got a great motivational um, lyrics and just a tight song. Quick, quick shout out, um, one band that covered um, "I Won't Back Down" in a way that I think um, did a lot of justice to the song um, and didn't make me hate a cover of a song I really loved was uh, Hot Rod Circuit. Used to cover "I Won't Back Down." Um, they added some like slide guitar in there and stuff, and it was it was excellent. So that's definitely kind of their wheelhouse, though. Shout out, yeah, shout out to that. To um, but yeah, Tom Petty, dude, he just he put out so many great albums. He didn't put out a ton of albums, all things considered. I think it was like he had like a lot of good core solid albums, but um, you know, Damn the Torpedoes was one 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 of the other ones I really enjoyed. But um, yeah, Full Moon Fever, um. Uh, it's hard to beat so many great tracks on there and uh, yeah, just uh, another huge talent um, sorely and dearly missed. Yeah, Gainesville native and uh, yeah, I, I like Southern accents. I thought that was a good album, but yep. uh, full moon fever is my favorite album by, by Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. And it's yeah, amazing choice. Wow. You guys are crushing this. Um, and uh-huh. I think this was, um, it was co-written, um, by Jeff Lynn from ELO. So they also went on, um, to form the traveling Wilburys with, um, Roy Orbison. So mm-hmm. another, um, and I think they also helped co-write, um, uh, you got it for Roy Orbison, which is like one of his bigger hits after pretty woman. Um, so just, uh, I think it was a good homage to, to those, um, you know, singer songwriters like Roy Orbison back in the day. Um, I think that they did a modernized version of that. Just great songwriters in general. And honestly, ELO, ELO could have been on my list somewhere. Um, I love their <laughs> albums. They're just insane with how many hits they pumped out in those albums and how good the songwriting was just like classic great songwriting with just interesting um bits and pieces in the recordings and sound effects and stuff they they killed it so for sure they could have made it on the 80s for sure but unfortunately they didn't okay swinging over bill what you got for the can we guess bill's 80s choice too (laughs) okay absolutely all right andy i'll start with you oh geez um uh 80s is tough it is. Yeah, I'm trying one. to think. I'm trying to think if Rancid came out in the '80s, what album would have been out? I gotta guess. Can, can I say it? Go yeah, ahead. you go first. And out come the wolves. No, that was oh! the '80s. No, that was. I think that was '90s. That was '90s. Yep. 
Dark Red 80s. Eric? I've got two, so please let me do them both because I think one of them yes. is definitely right. I've okay. got um, uh, Damaged by Black Flag, 1981. And I've also mm-hmm. got Energy by Operation Ivy. That's the uh, second one, I guess. <laughs> All right, you got one of them. I can tell by the way Bill's acting. Which is it? Yeah. Oh, no. You're too good. Energy, 1989. <laughs> <laughs> this was... All right, not in 1989. was my first tattoo. It was my first cassette I bought. Not my first tattoo. Um, but I fell in love with this band. Just for the opening saw knowledge. I was like, ooh, hook, line, and sinker. I know. Things are getting yeah. <laughs> When you can't get the top off the bottom of the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a sound system, an extract, like, it, it's, every song is a banger on this. Um, I just absolutely, like, my, my favorite one is probably Artificial Life. Um, artificial um, Life in the Market. <laughs> Yes, like, artificial life, life in the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> Anthems uh, for uh, for Andy. Um, gonna find you. I remember a couple pods ago you were uh, talking about that track. Uh, Missionary, the freeze up, like all these. Why? Because that's Andy's favorite position. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this uh, is yeah. like this is like a fucking all star band before they were an all-star yep. band. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think uh, just went on to common rider, uh, Freeman <laughs> and Armstrong went on to rancid. Uh, Dave Mello, the drummer was in dance hall crashers. Yep. Like literally all four of these guys, they created the Berkeley sound completely. Pretty much. I, I did one and then just dispersed is the best part too. Cause then it didn't <laughs> have to change. It just stayed. You can still walk it anywhere and play that. And, People will go crazy. I mean, I'll just say, is Green Day a band without Operation Ivy? Oh, no. I think so. Like, are they the same band? I don't think any of those are. I, I mean, I don't think any of those bands that came after are the same. You know, they're not either not non-existent or not the same. Because they had such a they had such a pop um sentiment sentimentality to them, um, with incorporating, you know, ska riffs and stuff. I think that like it was an extremely talented band. Like you wouldn't think of it because it's like, oh, you know, a four-piece punk band from Berkeley. But yeah. in terms of like <laughs> technical ability, mm. I mean, you don't get better than that lineup. Yeah, absolutely. If if anybody uh, back in the day would try and cover one of their songs, uh, mostly uh, sound system. I'm thinking is I, I remember the Panel Lunatics were trying to cover that, and there, there was just they were so intricate at different parts of the uh, song that it, it was hard to recreate it. I mean, there's other songs that are a little bit easy, like uh, take warning, of course, yep. super reggae. I mean, they, they, to me, it kind of reminds me. So like one of the albums I grew up on was um, sublime self titled album. I think I it was the mm. first CD I ever bought with my own money. So I was probably 10 years old when I bought it, maybe 11. And I remember listening to it and going like, wow, how do they have like these kind of punk rock sounding songs, reggae, ska, like they kind of like cover the whole thing. Like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. And then I found Operation Ivy and I was like, oh, okay. This band did that even better with punk, pop, reggae, uh, ska. Like they kind of covered it all. 
Because that's the tradition that Rancid that itself still follows. Like, yep. Rancid itself <laughs> does that with each album. Like, each album is not the same. Like, you can listen to all of Rancid, and sometimes, like, people would be like, what, what band is this? Oh, it's Rancid. No, 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 no. They, they sound different. No, they sound different each album. Like, they are more poppy, more reggae, more punk sometimes. Can you uh, actually make a distinction that you don't, you can go from the 70s with The Clash to the 80s with Op Ivy to the 90s with Rancid, that they all cut, well, I mean, you can't really, in that one album with Op Ivy, through, they, they went through all these genres and they, they really were what the evolution of The Clash, I think, would have been. They and, carried the torch on yeah. after. Well said, exactly. Carried the torch over, and I think they they continued this evolution. Yeah, I mean, in general, I think that that album will live on. I think if you ever were into punk rock music, that you heard this album, and you probably remember 90% of the songs. I actually listened to this a couple of weeks back. I hadn't heard it in a while. I knew it front to back. And I could tell you like, it's all still solid. Yeah. Whether I was like, you know, air drumming, um, air playing air bass or, um, doing the call and response vocals and some of the songs like bombshell, like so much of it was just so memorable. And it's like, I don't remember like my grandfather's phone number, but like I can remember most of the lyrics to the album energy and I haven't heard it in a long time. So I'll just say like, that that's the type of shit that's gonna like. Do you think that when they wrote these songs, they're like, "Hey, some fucking dorks from Western Mass are gonna be talking about this album in about thirty years?" Um, no, I doubt it. But we are, yeah, no, and so yeah, we are. Some of us tattooed it on our bodies. So, <laughs> so we're gonna pay tribute to a band and an album. I mean, yeah, I think that's a that's such a good choice. Andy the Angels. Andy's going Man. metal. I don't know if I can bring it home with it. Andy, I, mean, I guarantee. All right, let me. Can we guess for you, Andy? Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna go. It's gonna be something Metallica, whether it's Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning or Injustice for All. I'm going something Metallica. Okay. You know, it'd be Black Album, right? Because that was like ninety something to two thousands ish. Oh yeah, we're at eighty though. Andy doesn't follow directions, so you think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Andy's dyslexic. He's gonna mix up the, not the black album for something early. Bill, so what do you think? Boingo, boingo. <laughs> Kaja Gugu, is that what? <laughs> All right, Andy, fill us in. Oh my god! I see. This is why I thought this topic was too broad, and I didn't pick a metal album. What? I decided. I know. So oh. I was like, Jesus. I was like, should we do metal? I'm like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be doing punk? So then I just said, you know what? I had, I was listening to this album on my record player and I was like, you know what? This is it. It's men at work, business as usual. Uh, <laughs> you should have said that. I thought Jared was going to guess it. Cause I bet Jared. I was like, oh man. Like I was like, I just got men at work on vinyl. Uh, what's your favorite tracks on this album? <laughs> All right, so I mean, I I love the Over first track. Two. Who can it be now? Is is so fucking good. Yeah. And then That's I true. mean, which is one of their one of their best tracks. And I mean, even a, a land down under, 
I mean, oh, side yeah. A is is is. I mean, that whole album from start to finish is great. Uh, I think but side I mean, A like, has got a better track listing. Than side A is better, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's just so solid. I mean, who can it be now? It's just a perfect song. It's just yeah. absolutely great. I like Colin A. As time goes on, more and more. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just it's a perfect album. I mean, I for them, I just it's absolutely perfect. I love it so much. Right on. Land Down Under is an incredible track and makes everybody smile. It's got the fast version of Overkill on it, right? No, I don't think it's on yeah. that album. Isn't it on that one? It wasn't on there? It, is. it um, might not be. Um, no, um, hold on. Let's see other 90s one. And I mean, the problem, too, that I had I was I couldn't pick a Metallica album because I was like, there's just too many that came out in the 80s. Like, there's several... <laughs> They're hard to pin down on which one is going to be the Master best. Master of Puppets. It's like, I mean, Master of Puppets is fucking phenomenal. I've mentioned it before. But then I'm like, you know, you have Ride the Lightning. You have Kill Em All, which starts it all out. It's like there are just several really solid Metallica albums. I'm like, I cannot pick one of these as like the 80s album. Because you would have done it. True. Uh, Huey in the news. Nothing. I mean, I, I love, but that's the thing is like <laughs> Huey Lewis in the news is great. I mean, you can't power go wrong with Huey and every other song that sounds like the power of love. Yeah. Um, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like there is, again, I, I wish that we maybe were more genre specific on this one. Cause yeah. I feel like there's a lot of great albums that came out. I mean, I hate to say it, but like thriller, it's a good album. Um, you know, or you go to like, to me, there's a lot of great Genesis albums during this time. Fuck, um, yeah. Another band yeah. that was pretty interesting. I mean, there's Poison, to. Twisted Sister. They have all the hair Motley metal Crew. bands. Yeah, yeah Tears mean, for Fears. Yeah. Hard back. Jared, that's a weird, that's a weird uh, place to go with that. And yeah. like, yeah, all the hair metal bands, and you're like, yeah, Tears for Fears. They had I hair. Mean, they had hair, definitely. <laughs> definitely had He's hair. Like, you know, I was about to metal, throw all my locals to college, mode. but then we took that turn. <laughs> a Depeche Mode would be good, absolutely. Cure. I mean, I could have picked a Cure album, but I'm a, I always, I wish Timmy J was here. You could have he picked, would, picked he would be still in an 80s pop. <laughs> yeah, he, dude, Timmy J could give us, he would be like, every album he would have picked would have been from the 80s. Like, no, Tim, you have to say, what about the 70s? Yeah, I picked the Cures. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like you get to the 90s Depeche Mode 1985 what no I thought we said it had to be the 90s I don't yeah there was there were some honestly like in that genre there were a lot of great albums I also really liked Psychedelic Furs um, another band I felt like I could have went with Careless Whispers but I'm like I just I don't know there's just too many good ones in the 80s I was thinking maybe Bangles Yep. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I mean, come on. It's just it's too much. Too much. 80s were too good. They're just too good. All right. Well, then, if they're too good, then fuck it. We'll go to the 90s. Jared, what do you got? When music got shot in the leg. The 90s. I'm going third eye blind. Third eye blind. Whoa! Hey, now. I don't know if it's that weird of a pick but I've never really listened app. to them that much to be honest there's a few you've heard on the radio and then there's another actually feel good songs or uh, 
on that one. That's on the motorcycle drive by. Love it. One of the one of the best songs of the nineties, in my opinion. Yeah. I've never I've never hated Third Eye Blind. Jumper. I've just never looked. Yeah, I always thought they were good. Um, I didn't I until like Chris and see what I was listening to them seven and, or eight years ago, and then I did, and I was like, ah, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Well, there were there were a bunch of bands I think that competed for that style of rock music that at the one, time. Anyway. So, you know, like maybe throwing Gin Blossoms, um, Wallflowers, uh, Matchbox Twenty. They kind of all fill in that that groove a little bit. So I think to some degree it was kind of like the 2000s invasion of like the Strokes and the Hives and like all those bands that were the the yeah. bands. I like the White Stripes and stuff. Get off my list. That's why I might have uh, <laughs> been a little. I mean, you went from Black Sabbath and Misfits. <laughs> to third eye. Yeah, I was an angsty teenager in the '90s. What do you want? Hey, right on, right on. He's like, listen, I got a lot of hormones, you know, and uh, some days I'm just, you know, I'm happy, and other days I'm just mad, and I want to listen to the Misfits. I'm looking for a, a semi-charmed life, you know? So exactly. I'm, I'm looking for some biddies. I'm giving out my number, and sometimes they ain't calling. <laughs> biddies always be calling for uh, John Denver. He's so. like, wow, can you guys let me graduate? Can I graduate? <laughs> let me live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> let him leave. The, what I don't get is, like, honestly, like, they write some great songs, but how... Like I think "Semi Charm Life" is such a dumb song. I can't stand that song. Like, so for me, it's like I don't know how you write, um, you know, like how's it going to be, and then you write "Semi Charm Life." I, I don't know. I feel like I that one was it. the most like radio forward. I feel like that that one was designed like they ran that like yeah, that's going to be the hit, and it was like all right, we need to write some dumb fucking song so that people who don't know anything about music it's can got like that us. Upbeat. Here we go. It's got some of the the downer lyrics with the upbeat. Uh, do you think that's what influenced Nickelback to start writing their terrible albums? No. Is they're like, yes, we need something that can just be played on the radio. Nickelback's like, we can do this, you know? Andy, look at this photograph. Andy, didn't you start a band a while ago where you were trying to do Nickelback style songs, but with Nick Cage vocals called Nickel Cage? Oh my gosh. The Nickelback cover band, yes, with Nicolas Cage. And he still will not return my phone book. <laughs> How the hell do you wind up like this? <laughs> um, yeah, Jared. I'm sorry you lost your street cred bite for Bill like two minutes ago. Third Eye Blind. Oh, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Bill's just mad Bill. because that was Bill's pick. He yeah. was like, "How dare you steal Third Eye Blind?" Well, give me a minute. I gotta get the research. Don't worry. You can pitch Mac. Uh, pick Matchbox Twenty. Oh, Sam had and grungier otherwise. I think Bill's going to pick that Santana album where they had all the stars on there. Uh, Michelle Branch. <laughs> Michelle Branch. <laughs> Actually, that, 2000s, right? that might have that been 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. Shit. I got to cross my 2000s list. Too. Fuck, we ruined it. I already lost one. All right, I'm out. All right, uh, can I can I swing over to mine? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so... Um, I'm going pop punk for this one because the nineties were all about the birth. Well, well not the what birth. Year? Um, mid nineties, 96. Ooh. Oh, um, I mentioned it before. 
so this is an album that um, was my introduction to this band. It wasn't their first album by any means, but I got this album from Jojo. He, I remember, which is kind of funny. He was talking about, he's like, Hey, you might like this band. Um, I never heard him before, but it's like, you like pop punk stuff or you seem to like poppy or music. So you might like this band. And so he's like, I got two CDs and he gave the option to myself and Nate at the time. He's like, Oh, you guys both might like this. So I got these old CDs. Um, so he gave two options. There were, there was these two different CDs from the same band. Which one do you want? And so I was drawn to the album artwork. So I was like, Oh, I want to try this one. So I grabbed it and listened to it. And I like did not leave my portable CD player. Um, I don't care how many times I had to put on skip protection and waste my battery because I was going to, I was jamming out to this pretty hard. Um, but it's 1996 uh, life in general by MXPX. Nice. The other album I had to choose from was teenage politics. And I'll tell you, I'm so glad I picked life in general because it's a much better album. Teenage politics, also a good album has its own style, but Something about life in general. Um, this was like my introduction to great pop punk, other than like, you know, Green Day, which I think everyone heard on there's, the radio. Um, this is it for me. There's some on teenage politics, but a lot of the, there's a lot more hits on about life in general. Though, yeah, right? I mean, so um, there are 17 songs on life in general. So they're yeah, all wow. like on the shorter there's side. Um, but Middle Name is what, st- what opens up, and it's a, it's a great track great sing-along track um we have other kind of interesting tracks like uh do your feet hurt that has kind of a cool six eight movement in it um sometimes you have to ask yourself which kind of goes all over the place um the track the wonder years probably not the inspiration for the band but uh (laughs) the wonder years um new york to nowhere chick magnet also on this album hell yeah um I think my favorite track on this probably though is uh, "Today Is in My Way." I love that song. Mm. Um, yeah, this album like really can do no wrong. And they did; they had a lot of albums that came out in the '90s that were just excellent. They were putting out an album like every year, um, but this one for sure um, stands out to be the first. And um, I'm so glad that I ordered their box set, and I'm probably getting it at the end of next month. Um, nice. I cannot wait. I'm not going to spin it because I want to save it. It's one of those things like <laughs> I know it's weird, but it's I want to have it memorialized. But Jared and I saw MXPX um what was it, three years ago now, two years ago? Oh my god, yeah. Uh, out in New York and two ish. Yeah, I think so. And uh I I I I posted on Instagram and I tagged MXPX and said um we saw him at Irving Plaza in New York City, so I said New York to nowhere. And then at the show, um, Mike Herrera was like, hey, we're going to play. This was uh, um, suggested to us on Instagram. We're going to play New York to Nowhere. And maybe it wasn't me. Someone else may have suggested it. But um, because this was one of my favorite albums. I definitely called no, for this story, it was you. They did it. <laughs> yes. They also hit a bird mid-flight and almost didn't make it. <laughs> yep. They had to take a private jet, which probably cost them more money than they made at the show. But they came and they played a great set. So uh, big props to MXPX. And I'll leave it at that. Bill, what you got from 1990s? Ooh. That's not Nimrod by Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, this one, I don't think there's going to be a guessing game for because um, I'm going to go with 19. I went 1989 for the 80s. I'm going 1990 for uh, the 90s. And um, in my mo- most recent tattoo uh, session, um, Ben, the artist, um, played this album and I haven't heard it in a long time, but this was about a month ago. And it's Bad Religions Against the Grain. And holy... That's a good album. It's an amazing album. It's a really good album, yeah. I just want to throw out some tracks here for y'all. Modern Man, The Positive Aspects of Negative Thinking, and (laughs) a State... Here in 2021, Flat Earth Society (laughs) means so much to me now. (laughs) Of faith alone, like of course against the grain. Twenty first century digital boy. I mean, I could just flip a table. That's the first bad religion song I ever heard. I fell in love with the band for that. <laughs> and uh, the album ends with "Walk Away," which is one of my favorite bad religion songs. I, the whole album is just banger after banger. Um, this band is really important to me because. I started hearing more melodic punk from Bad Religion and the singer that could actually sing. Like I was more into the the Black Flag, the Minor Threat, Gorilla Biscuits, all amazing. This is a little bit more poppy and kind of got me into more of the pop punk style. Bad Religion really fused in between. I got you can also say Gorilla Biscuits and just Civ. Yeah. Uh, also did that, but I absolutely love this album. Um, a really cool uh, cover art with uh, with uh, the corn stalks with the um, with the bombs in them, and then the one corn with actual corn in there. Uh, yeah, the freaking penises. Just uh, you know, that's what I, uh, I I thought I saw. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely buying this album. But then uh, no, it, was, it, it, it turned out to be bombs. So. Fair enough. I can go with that. Yeah, it's a great album. It's kind of fast and furious, and yeah, definitely. It, it just it just keeps hitting you, uh, hit after hit after hit. Which can I just say to reference back real quick to our episode of Guilty Pleasures movies that the original, I think, nineteen fifty nine version of the Fast and the Furious is basically the exact plot to the movie The Chase. The man. Oh. A guy who kidnaps a woman and heads on his way to Mexico um, because he escaped from prison is trying to clear his name that he was innocent from the counterpoint by Uh, kidnapping somebody. I mean, that seems to be the right thing to do. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, Henry was Henry Rollins in that movie. Um, He may have been a child in there. I'm not sure. (laughs) Oh, damn! (laughs) A a baby cop. Yep. It's just over that ridge. All right, Andy, give us the 90s and go hard. All right, I am. I'm going hard, baby. I'm going with grungy. I consider it more punk. Nirvana's never mind. Nice. Iconic. It is, it's, it's quality from start to finish. And I was like, I have to put this on there um, because it's just, it's just a solid album from start to finish. I mean, you can't, like, when you think of the 90s, everyone always mentions Nirvana. 
I was going to mm-hmm. do the color and the shape. I don't know if I get partial credit because it's still Dave uh, Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Fair enough. <laughs> um, a, a Butch Vig production. So I know that it wasn't right. This wasn't like a favorite from Metallica. Be, or sorry, Metallica. <laughs> yeah, was Metallica. Wasn't a favorite from Nirvana because they felt like it was sounded like a little bit too commercial. But Butch Vig, like. I don't know. The dude's an excellent producer and um, watching the, so VH1 has a behind or what is it called? Classic albums um, where they kind of go in behind the scenes from making this album. And it's awesome. Great watch if you love the album, but yeah, great album itself. Um, Andy, do you have like a standout track that you, what's your favorite on this one? I mean, I, I'm going to pick their most popular one off of it. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, Jesus Christ. But I mean, even Weird Al parried it. Like, come on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 I mean, Smells Like Team Spirit. I mean, it's just, it's solid. It's just solid from start to finish. I mean, the whole album is, is great. And it's like, I mean, the cover art's just funny. Like a baby swimming in a pool. I mean, naked. Like, you can't go wrong. Hilarious. Heart shaped box on that one, too. No, I think that's no. on uh, in utero. Yes, yeah. I like um in bloom the second track. That's like where the drums like yeah. get big, 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 and you're like, whoa! Yeah. Like that's basically yeah. like why they There's made a bunch of fills in the beginning. Yeah, on that album too, right? Yep. Yeah, that was a really dope track. I remember listening to that. Uh, speaking of personal uh, CD players, I had my Sony on me when I was uh, hitting the slopes at Basque listening to Nevermind. Oh, yeah. Hey, now. I, I couldn't go down the yellow chairlift, but blue chairlift represent. Go blue. <laughs> Hell yeah, go blue. Go blue chairlift. Well, what's interesting is like this album, you go from like lithium, which has a lot of pop sentiment to it, to like poly which is such a stripped down raw kind of acoustic track. So I feel like when you break this album down and you're like, okay, there's 12 songs on here and Polly is the midpoint. You're like, wow, yeah. this album takes you on a roller coaster. That is different. That is very different. And I think actually in the, um, in the classic albums, Butch Vig talks about recording that song and it's sort of like, Kurt is is playing an acoustic guitar that's like four strings on it and it's like out of tune and he starts kind of singing this and so like without really interrupting him they like kind of put a mic on him like sitting on a couch and that's how they recorded this track and they had to go back and like try to like line it up to a click and then add the backups and stuff so I think um, it kind of built on that song yeah because I think they're like we have something here like and I think that's the tell of a great song is like you take it down to like its most stripped down position and it still can build something great. So like whether that song had just guitar and vocals or pulled in the full band, like it still was a great song. So, um, you know, I don't, again, I don't think it was the best on that album by any means, but certainly I think it's just a, a credit to their songwriting and they were more progressive. You know, they were trying to write songs that weren't just about, you know, um, you know, I think they were just more progressive lyrically in some ways. So I feel like it was kind of a good a good change because we saw what happened to rock music like not too far after that. Um <laughs> after 
you know, we got the uh, the Limp Biscuits and the Corns and the Godsmacks and so the '90s. I still had all the Dio's. Good Dio. Still, yeah. Oh, at the yeah, time. I mean, I had Corn on my list, but then I was like, oh wait, these guys suck. Jared's more about you know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was like, mm, maybe I'll put System of a Down on there. And then I listened to System of a Down. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember you. Be, I remember you being much better than that. <laughs> Fair enough. And I'm like, hmm, maybe Ramstein. And then I was like, nope. <laughs> Don't know what they're talking about. I mean, I'm sure they've been still probably still touring for however long oh, on that. Sure. Uh, that's the sure. old. It's just Duhas. That's the only song I would ever know. Is there more? You think they have no? Because remember, Duhas was so. Do they need any? No one. Everyone said they were they saying do. something different, and it became a very controversial song, which made it explode because no one 100 percent knew what they were saying, and no one decided to ask anyone who spoke German what they were talking about. You, you hate. Hey. You hate, you hate me. me. <laughs> I was like, hope for the worst lyrics. <laughs> it's true. It was. It was hope for the... They probably copied it. They were like, whoa, this band, hope for the worst, that's going to come out in the future. They know. Do hot. I mean, it worked well enough and for it's them. It's like CIA, FBI. Who's decided you. to just hijack it. <laughs> do hot mace. So it was a do hot mace to Fran or something. Do hot mace to Frog. Hot mace to Frog. I feel like Jared was in the brand Prodigy in a past life. I don't know why. I'm going to dig out my old Ramstein album. I'm going to play it one of these podcasts. Andy, I don't know if you have to dig very much. It's probably on the top. I'm like, oh, I have to, I have to dig for it, and it's like right there. I'm like, oh, must I got to, I got to get the dust off there. Like, Andy, it looks like you cleaned it. Like, looks mint condition. All right, do you have one sealed? Let's uh, let's round it out with the two thousands here. Um, I th- so far I think we've got a pretty solid list. I think there's only maybe one album on there that everyone agrees that was terrible. That was and I still one. love it. So I know whatever. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I like <laughs> All right, two thousands. Jared, round us off. I'm glad you're going first, so I can figure out if you're going to take my choice or not. No, I think I, I think I got it. I'm going. Sorry about tomorrow. Hot Rod Circuit. Did nice. I? Ooh, nice. That was my choice. God damn it. Was it? No, I'm oh, saying. I, mean, I tried to even foreshadow it. With, I was going to say I foreshadowed <laughs> it with, uh, with a Hot Rod Circuit reference earlier. No, I have a, I have a backup choice. Please. Okay. I, mean, right, I, got, I got plenty of others I could go from. 2000s were easy. We can go for days on this. <laughs> I, I blinked on it, so I hope Eric doesn't pick what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I may have. <laughs> it's a, it's definitely, definitely a good call. A hot Rod Circuit. Sorry about it. tomorrow too. Yeah, the that album is uh, starting out. What What's interesting is like a lot of the songs sound exactly the same, so like you kind of get lost. Like, wait, where am I? Oh, That's oh. The one, the first time that I can remember as a kid, there was like an album. It was like I was that was the whole thing I listened to. This whole thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's very similar tempo, but it's got, it's in a weird way where it's like, it's, it's a fairly slow tempoed album in the grand scheme of things, but it's, it's driven with such force from like those kind of like so many great guitar parts on that. Like you go to like, um, uh, 
what's the, what's the, what's the second track? Um, hooked or something, right? Hooked on you. What's the oh, name uh, of the actual song? Is that safely? No, no, no. Um, wow, we sound like a bunch of dwarves. Oh, Ed Nature's Mercy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Ed Nature's Mercy. Yeah, yeah. Um, great opening guitar track. Great guitar looks in that whole song. Um, I love it. In the opening track, obviously, the pharmacist is such a great. Oh, yeah. um, great and honestly, the track. ending track just for that one heavy chord at the end. Oh man, yeah. Uh, Real slow build. Night they blew up the moon. Night they blew up the moon. Yeah. Two thousand two. Right. Yeah. Which I thought it was earlier than that. I didn't realize it was as late as it was. No, it makes sense. Um, yeah, there's some great, great tracks on that. But yeah, it's like, it's all, again, it's all very mid-tempoed. Um, we saw them play this in its entirety, right? When we went to, um, we saw them the in Boston. Show. Yeah. yeah, they played this uh, in its entirety and it just... Um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a great listen. I don't know, not much more you can say about it. It's good songwriting, um, and it, the harmonies are great. Yeah, oh, the, the whole oh, thing. Yeah, one of the. I mean, they're like the fucking Simon and Garfunkel of pop punk. Um, they, just, <laughs> they kill it on this, no doubt about it. Yeah, solid right. choice. So solid it was mine, and I lost it. I'll pass it on to you to make you a, another know. choice now. She lost it. Um, I have a feeling I'm taking bills here because oh, we're just gonna keep dominoing down. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I think I am. I just I have a feeling um, because I know that he loves this album, and um, I think it's um, it's the years on this one. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think this is the last with um. The drummer Mike before they um, switched over to Derek. Um, God damn it! (laughs) So this, um, I saw this band in 2001. They were touring on this album. Maybe it was 2002, but I saw them pretty early in 2000. They were touring on this album, and man, like I never saw a a three-piece band live just like absolutely dominate and crush the stage with these songs that just went from like weird poppy to kind of heavy and just did all these things um, again with a three piece. So um, this is 2001's From Here to Infirmary by Alkaline Trio. Solid pick, Eric. <laughs> um, too good of a that pick. A good I one. Had that one too. Yeah, it's... Luckily they had a half dozen more albums in the knots. Bill. Yeah, wait a <laughs> can, we, uh, can we pick from the same bank? Yes, you can. Um, That's fine. So I got to be honest with you. Like, I think my least favorite track on this is actually the opener with Private Eye. It's a good song. No, it's a great song. It's it's my least favorite on the album, though. I to me, Uh, like the standouts. um, Track two, Mister Chainsaw. Um, I love Steamer Trunk is another great one. Great. Um, Armageddon. I did. I used to skip it back in the day, but now the last more recent I hear it, I, I like it a lot more. Uh, Crawl might be one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, uh, it's such a good closer on that track. Um, 
But yeah, like just these driving guitar parts. And I love the contrast between Matt and Dan on these albums um, in general, because I feel like it makes it feel like a slightly different band, but in a way that you're like, this is Alkaline Trio. It just, I like the contrast in vocals. Similar to Blink-182, I mean, you you can go back to them and say, you know, between Mark and Tom, like they kind of did their own songs and like you could tell like what was a Mark song, what was a Tom song. And they kind of like complimented each other and did the right backup parts and stuff. So like they kind of let that, let each other do their thing. There wasn't a lot of like call and response. It was like, this is your song and I'll sing a backup line on it. Um, That's you leave some space. Yeah. Uh, I don't, the fans also, you know, they, they gravitated towards uh, who they liked too. like, you know, like, Oh, I'm more of a Dan person, you yep. know, like yeah, very solid choice. I mean, maybe maybe the best Alkaline album ever. Yeah, they've got bits and pieces on so many of them, though. Yeah, yeah single tracks I might pick off of other ones, but absolutely. But like from like start to end, really solid album. It is. It's it just, is. I mean, they have. I don't know. I like a lot of their albums, so it's hard to say which one I feel is is their best. I would have like a super hard time if we had like a, to rank alkaline albums to rank them. Yeah. It's a tough one. Cause I, I think like that was good. Morning's a great album. Yeah. Is it now? Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> I mean, no, I, no, no, I, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like also, Trucks and Trains was one that I, because it's near the end of it, it's not quite at the end, that I would sometimes early on not listen to it. It was kind of there. But then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, that's a freaking banger of a... Like you said, Eric, from maybe Private Eyes, the weakest song on there, but I kind of disagree, though, because I... It's a great song. uh, I I, I just like their format. (laughs) The format is uh, like intro, verse, intro, verse, chorus, verse. You know, like they always yeah. did the intro, verse, intro, which I really like because it gives that little bit of a break in the song. Where like, what? what are the, what's the next verse? Where's the chorus? What, what's going to happen in the song? Like, I love that it slows things down a little bit. So you like really kind of listen intently because they don't just have that, you know, intro, verse, chorus kind of format. And so like that to me became so iconic with Alkaline Trio. Um, and I think... You know, just these like kind of octave guitar parts that just kind of sing over the top. Again, nothing complicated. There's not a lot of dweedles, not a lot of guitar riffage. It's just like find an octave that fits in mm-hmm. the key and strum it really hard. And it just works for them. And yeah, they, I don't think they've put out a real a, a bad album. I think that their stuff um, is, is kind of timeless in a way. I think it because it's like when you listen to a lot of their stuff, you're like, "This is a this band sounds like they're they're out of the '90s. They just have this '90s vibe to them." Even if the album came out in 2003, it just has this old school sentiment to it, um, which sure. which I can definitely appreciate. And um, again, being a being a three piece band and being able to like really push out these like great, powerful, impacting songs, and then to change That's drummers cool. and get better as a band in a way, um, right? I mean. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I think they, their, their best album was from here to infirmary. But I think when they brought Derek in as the drummer, um, mm-hmm. I think it, it gave a very different feeling, almost like the Travis Barker change 
in Blood Money Two, where it took this like more technical style drumming that added to a three piece that already g- gave so much. Um, and you, again, you can go back and forth and say like, well, you know, Scott Rayner, like he just blasted through every song, and Blood Money Two had a sound because of that. But I yeah. think that we created more of that iconic pop punk sound when Travis Barker joined the band because it was more about changing tempos, changing timings. And that is what made an interesting flow to the, to their songs. A hundred percent. Absolutely. That's, I didn't think of it that way, but that, that makes sense that the, the, the way that the sound evolved after the change really, wow, that's really something to think well, about. Because it's like when you look at the, the guitar and bass, a lot of times they're writing these like four, four, like, eighth note downstrokes and it's like na 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 and you're like okay if you're sticking with your same drummer they're going to play the same drum riff over that which is going to be like just a fast paced like you know kind of like yeah. blast beat kind of thing so it's like you take another drummer who hears that differently and now is like I'm going to half time this and then all of a sudden you're like wow Blink-182 is a new band um, it, it sounds completely different and it, it's got a completely different sound it's the backbone of the song so yeah once you change it up and you're like while this sounds different, it, it makes it stand out and, and adds so much to the music. It, it makes everything else uh, amplified. And I don't think that either drummer could have taken place on the other albums and done the same thing, which I think is interesting. So like, it kind of like, it's a lot of praise to like how a drummer can really impact a band is that. And so they're all snapshots in time, right? Mm, yeah. Or an evolution. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. (laughs) I know you're lost. (laughs) Good luck. I know you're going to pick Sticks and Stones by Newfound Glory. (laughs) I, you know, for the 90s, thinking uh, nothing gold can stay, but (laughs) in a way. Um, And yes, if I research more into uh, Newfound Glories, uh, I'm actually going to go back to Tried and True Bill. I have an autographed record of this rancid 2000 it was all back to so rancid's had three self-titled albums uh they had two in 1993 one on lookout records which was a seven inch one that was uh their debut on epitaph so they've actually had two on epitaph because they had 1993 and 2000 2000 was a complete change. Uh, songs like Don Giovanni, um, just it, it, it was a throwback to the old punk rock, straight, just fast, in your face. Um, songs like Warsaw, just iconic tracks that were completely different from where they were going. They went from uh, '93. It was a it was a trio. Um, 94, Lars Fredrickson came in and they put out Let's Go. Um, 95, they put out An Outcome the Wolves. 98, um, uh, Life Won't Wait, which where they put some more reggaeton into it. And, and it looked like they were doing more of a clash evolution. Then all of a sudden, Rancid 2000 was like, we're going to take the 1993 record which may be my favorite Rancid record because it was so raw and visceral. 
they brought this back with an anger and more of a uh, focus on Freeman, uh, the bass player. Like he had more vocal tracks in this one. Cause of course everybody knows Lars and uh, Tim time Bomb, but with Freeman there, like almost had a like hot water music style, like gravel vocals and yeah. This album, different from everything that they put forward before, but kind of embraced their punk rock roots. I mean, afterwards, I think they did um, Red Hot Moon, or I can't even remember. It was a Red album that I was like, ooh, they they, they went somewhere. They veered somewhere. <laughs> it's like that, that meme with the, the two penguins on the, the icebergs, and they're just going on a dirt. I can't follow. I'm sorry. But Rancid 2000, they, they hit every uh, every they wanted to, to hear. It was just an impeccable record. Nice. I mean, each record for I feel like for Rancid has like a different sound. Like you can't, like I said before, you can't listen to one and assume that's what the next one's gonna sound like. And that's what I love about Rancid. For sure. Okay. I, I'm gonna tell you why Rancid 2000 meant so much, though, because in '98 I was so excited about the new Rancid record, and Life Won't Wait. I understand what they were going for now, as I was as I'm older, but as as a youth, I was like, I was expecting an Outcome the Wolves Part Two. I was yeah. like. Give me uh, time bomb again. You I know, like all that stuff. Give me something like that again. Out come the wolves. Soho again. Give me Olympia Washington again. Give give me these songs that that I absolutely love. And yeah, there was 1998. Uh, the song was a great track, and it was very punk rock. But there was a lot of different stuff, and I, I wasn't ready for it. Rancid 2000, there was a lot of anger and a uh, a lot of political messaging, and it, it, it meant a lot to me. Y2K, um, baby. That's right. Absolutely. It was, it was Everyone was angry. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the they were going to lose all their money in the banks. I mean, the computers were going to crash everything and go back to different data from 1990 or something crazy. It was all MTV. And I could listen to uh, Against the Grain again, but you know, MTV was featuring like the Backstreet Boys and Kid Rock on the same episode. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that though. MTV had Kid Rock on there was now it's just a feature. Fuck that guy. Uh, I am Kid Rock. I'm not really good at anything, even though I picked his album for next. <laughs> I was gonna say, speaking of Kid Rock, Andy, give us your. Uh, uh, well, first of all, Bill, um, I actually haven't heard that album. Um, I'll have to go back and check it out. Definitely. It's, it's, it's worth it. It's, it's fast. And, uh, it ends, um, it ends interestingly. I, the, the, the it's a really, it's a solid Rancid album. It's, a it's solid just completely album. solid from third fifth. Rock album. It's, it's, um, it's an ode to probably more of the mid nineties, but it, it it shows through a lot, and it's like it's a lot more raw than any any other Rancid album besides '93. Nice. 
All right, Andy, what you got? Take us home. I'm going to throw a curveball with this one, boys. Ooh, curveball. Curveball. And Berlin. Jimmy World, Bleed America. Nice. I wrote that one down too. Nice. Yeah. I was nervous about it. I was like, okay. I was like, someone might pick this one. And then I was like, but I was like, I got to try it. Um, I, did, I just, I love this album. I mean, I remember um, this came out when we were all hanging out together. I mean, we all went to that Jimmy World concert where we had to take several cars. <laughs> I, every time I hear a song off this album, it's just, it has a special place in my heart. And it's like, I, I love this album. And at least like every couple of months, I got to just play it. I just got to sit and listen to it. Like, it just reminds me of way back in the day. I mean, Nabil hanging out in a trench coat on a 90 degree day <laughs> with his pleather pants. I mean, in his combat boots. It's just, uh, it's just nostalgia. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it brings that nostalgia to you. It's yeah. worth more than anything. I, every time I pick up a, an acoustic guitar and I tune a drop D, I'm playing like half the album. So, yep. um, <laughs> It's yeah, it it really is like one of their it's a masterpiece, I have to say. It's um because again, they go they just go all over the place. Like they've got these sort of aggressive tracks, like um I mean fuck the opening track. Um pretty aggressive. It goes into praise chorus and it's like a little bit more, you know, it's it's great lyrically, but it's a little bit more poppy. Um we go into your house with the fucking drum circle, um, uh, acoustic drum circle, just like a, and then uh, hear you cool. me like this this crazy ballad. Um, yeah, they just go everywhere. Authority song Ooh. for me. This oh is heaven was clarity. Yep. Or was that clarity, one on Fleet yeah. American too? Clarity uh, came out like uh, what ninety eight, I think, a couple years before. Uh, um, but. It, they haven't put out a bad record. I mean, I'll say that about them. Like they put out yeah. records all the time, even like their modern day stuff, even though they, they, they changed their sound a little bit. Like they, they still put out good records. So um, just a great talented band. Um, what I like about, so the one standout track to me on that, that I know gets a lot of play and I'm sure you hear it in a grocery store every now and then is not the middle, but um, sweetness. sweetness. I know it was yeah. on, it was on rock band, I think, but, to me, that song, the like the woe woes in that song, take me back to like Lindsey Buckingham, like Holiday Road. It has this very eighties um, nostalgia to it, and I just love that that piece of it. But it's like sixteenth yeah. note hi hat riffs, and it's just like the song is so powerful, and it just like it's so such a driving force. And like what I think they they do really well is that they just do a lot of stops. They 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 don't amp up more; they just stop. And so like all those breaks in between the, the hi-hat parts and stuff, like it just builds this like great momentum for the chorus. Um, but the song is sort of like, it goes from like zero to 60 and then like goes back to zero. And that, that's, what's great about it. Um, is it's not, it's not this major weird roller coaster. It's just like, instead of adding more to the song, they take out more. And it's like, that's what, what gives you this like push and pull. And that, I just think that like that that's that style of songwriting for them um, is kind of what they do. They're not overly frivolous with their songwriting or instrument, you know, instrumentations or anything. It's just solid four chord, well written songs with with good hooks and melodies, and it just just does it for them. For sure, that's a great one. 
what's kind of funny is I think at least in the in the pop punk realm, like there's a lot of great albums that came out in the two thousands, as we can yeah. see, because I mean, we could have picked Saves the Day. We could have picked a lot of different albums. I mean, even going back to the 90s, like... some. Yeah, I was going to say, there's definitely some of those that were more late 90s. Weezer. I mean, you could have grabbed a Weezer album there. I mean, the 2000s were the easiest to kind of have a large list of what, what I considered to be great albums. Oddly enough, because it was the worst time for movies. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't... Unless you're watching a Nick Cage time. movie. True. One or the other. Can't have both. Con Air. I think that came out in the early 2000s. I would have watched Con Air instead of Face Off the other day, but it wasn't free. Con Air is better than Face Off. I mean, it's it's better than Face Off. Yeah, they know that too. All right. Well, before Uh, we uh, get off on a a large tangent like we usually do (laughs) um, about Nick Cage, uh, we're going to go ahead and. Mentioned him once. Yep. We we have our list. We're gonna wrap well, it up. We talked about him before the show. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap up the episode now. Um, wanna appreciate everybody for tuning in as usual. Um hope you liked our list. Let us know if there's something that you really enjoyed. Um actually give us your whole list. Go ahead and uh, we're gonna post a an Instagram post for this. So um go ahead on and give us what you, what what would your list be? We wanna know. Um it's only all of music. Got some choices. Yeah, yeah. The good in the eighties. Yeah, good luck, fuckers. <laughs> um, no. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Um, we will have to come up with uh, what we're going to talk about on the episode. We got a couple options, but we will be back. Um, hopefully, again, you enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram, PCB Boys four one three. Follow four one three podcast on Spotify. Um, and we will soon be making a YouTube channel to feature some of our clips and hopefully we will figure out some ways to do some live streaming in the future. But um, until then, appreciate y'all and have a great night. Peace. Bye.